Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, beginning in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for the people of God. When I asked you several weeks ago about questions you had about God or theology or faith, many of you responded. One of you wrote this, will we be reunited with our loved ones in heaven? A second question came at it from another angle, writing, why would a loving God send sinners and unbelievers to a permanent torture? A third one along the same line said, will none of them experience heaven and God's love and grace? A fourth one asked about connection between loved ones who have died and those of us still here. So you can see we have lots to cover if we're going to address all those questions this morning in the few minutes we have here to focus together on this passage from Luke. So let's get started, as good Methodists do, by looking at Scripture, reviewing the biblical material. What we find when we go to look for references for resurrection in the Hebrew Scriptures is that it is almost completely ignored. Very few references. There's a couple in Isaiah, one in Daniel, but that's about it. And our best Bible scholars conclude that those come very late in the development of the Hebrew people and their theology. We see this further just a few years later as we begin to look at the Christian scriptures or what we traditionally call the New Testament. We find that there is a conflict going on between two major groups within Judaism, the Sadducees and Pharisees. And that erupts in the gospel narrative from time to time where they're arguing about a topic, one of which is resurrection. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection because they cannot find any reference to it in the Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Bible. The Pharisees argue on behalf of the resurrection. They, they have come to believe in a resurrection of, of a kind in their discussions. As you read about them in the Christian scriptures, you can tell that what they're usually discussing, what is commonly called the general resurrection that they believe will happen at the end of time. But then when we come to the disciples of Jesus, there is this major shift from discussing the resurrection as a theory to talking about it as an actual experience. They move from talking about a general resurrection in our scriptures to a very specific resurrection that God has raised this Jesus from Nazareth from the dead. Oh my, that, that experience changes everything for these disciples. That changes the way that they have understood all that Jesus has been living and teaching them and how they're going to go forth. Remember, 
They have watched what has happened. They have betrayed and denied him because things got really difficult. He was hung on a cross and died. They had gone into hiding. But after they experience him as alive, they become bold witnesses to God's love, raising this Jesus, revealing to us through this Jesus and his life and death and resurrection that God is with us in life and death and life beyond death. We can see one of the main differences is between those Jews who come to believe that Jesus has been raised and they become Christians and those Jews who decide, no, that is not correct. The Christians came to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now, when we read through the Christian scriptures, we come to one of the letters that Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians 15, we believe this to be the earliest description of the resurrection by Paul or by any of the Christian authors that we still have where he records in 1 Corinthians 15 what he says he was taught by those who were the witnesses. He says they told him that this Jesus was arrested and tortured and hung on a cross and died and was buried. But then on the third day rose from the dead. And they've experienced him as alive. And then Paul enumerates people who Jesus appeared to as the risen Christ. And then he claims himself to be the last one, making him an apostle as well. Because he's experienced the risen Christ alive in his life. And then Paul goes on in that letter to talk about the importance of the resurrection for our faith. So Paul is thinking that Jesus has been resurrected, but nobody else. He's still thinking of it as the general resurrection. Remember, he was a Pharisee before his conversion to being a follower of Christ. So he's anticipating a resurrection at the end of time. Now, he's expecting Jesus to come back in his lifetime. That does not happen but he still has the descriptions of what he believes God is going to do and says that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of that. Well, you can also read about it in his letter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You can find other references to this idea in the book of Revelation chapter 20 and 21. They all describe this general resurrection that everyone who's ever lived will be raised from the dead and then we get to this idea of judgment. They describe it in some different ways, but the basic notion is that some will be judged worthy and others will not. Some will go on to eternity, which is wonderful, paradise as described in the text today. Others will be condemned for eternity to suffer. But it's a common experience for many of us to have trouble making sense of all of that. Recently, a young man wrote to us here at the church and shared that he had begun to read the book of Revelation. And he said, before very long, I got really confused. And you know why? Because the book of Revelation is confusing. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a series of visions John has. They don't all match up, and they are in some ways so bizarre, and there's no footnotes to tell you what the vivid descriptions and the symbols mean. 
So people have made all different kinds of interpretations out of what is written there in the book of Revelation. And at some points in that book, it sounds like the author is saying that we're going to be judged by our deeds. And at other times, it sounds like he's saying we're going to be judged according to God's grace and mercy. But it's from the book of Revelation that we get this notion of this cataclysmic end that will spell the doom for the world as we know it. And there's going to be this thousand-year period of destruction and fighting and conflict. And at the end of that, we will see who ends up on which side. And some are going to be done for an eternal punishment, and others will be rewarded. I struggle with that vision that interpretation because for me it does not square with the life of jesus or the teaching of jesus it does not square with what i experience when i read through the gospels is the primary theme of all of this is that god loves us and god is doing everything god can to draw us in to this family of love and is revealing that to us through jesus Just to think about those different passages from the gospel where Jesus gives us images of God that are almost always of a tender, loving, merciful, steadfast, faithful one who's doing all possible to draw us in. I think just of one particular passage in John's gospel. This comes from the last night that Jesus is with his disciples on earth. He's telling them the last things he has to say to them before he's going to be arrested. Chapter 14, in the verse, couple of verses, he says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Or we can think about the passage we read from Luke today describing the crucifixion. Just before the part we read, Jesus is hanging on the cross, looks down at his executioners, and Luke records in verse 34 that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing he doesn't say father throw these into the lake of fire let them burn forever he could have said that he could have cried out that way punish those because they've hung me on this cross but he does not he says father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then if you skip just a few verses, you pick up where we began to read today. To me, this is a passage about grace and continuity and life and death and life after death. Let me read it to you again. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. To me, that sounds like resurrection and life after death happens right then. That there's a continuity between this life and the next life. And that somehow God makes all of that happen. And when he says it to this person who has admitted that he is a sinner, he's getting what he deserves, Jesus does not condemn him. He offers him grace and love and says, you'll be with me today in paradise, or you could say heaven. There is no judgment. There is no eternal condemnation in this passage. I'm not saying those passages are not in the Bible because they are there. But what we need to realize as thinking Christians is that there are many perspectives represented in the biblical material. In these 66 books, there's lots of different perspectives on some subjects, resurrection and life after death being one of those. And sometimes that's hard for us to understand because we want the answer to be a little more simple but on some topics it is, on others it is not. But we can understand that, I think, if we think about our own experience. We think about our own congregation. We know when we discuss issues about theology that we don't all have the same opinion. We have different perspectives. One of the questions uh, one of you wrote to me said this, when loved ones are in heaven... Are they aware of their loved one's lives on earth? And do they ever appear in visions? Now, if you ask me about that, I've never had that experience. I've never had an experience where someone who I had known in this life has died and then somehow I experienced their presence after they had died. But you know what? Several of you have told me that you've had that very experience. One woman in our congregation told me that she got married, had been married for months, years. Her father-in-law had died a couple of years before, and then one day he was right there, very near her. She said it was very clear who it was and that he was there. No special message, just kind of checking on them. Another woman told me of her experience when she was gravely ill. She was so physically ill that she thought she was going to die. And then she said her father, who had been dead for many years, appeared at the end of her bed and assured her that she was going to recover. And she did. Another person in our congregation, one of the men in our congregation, been married to his wife for nearly 50 years. 
He lost her to death recently. He wrote me a note after the funeral. And he said, I want to tell you what has happened. He said, she was so very sick and had so much pain that she was on medication in the last days of her life. She was mostly asleep. He said, I was in the other room on one of those days, and all of a sudden I heard her voice. She was calling my name. He said he jumped up and went into the other room expecting that she was going to be awake. But she was not. She was in a deep, peaceful sleep. The next day, she died. He says that night he went home and went to bed and fell asleep. And sometime in the night, he heard her again calling him by name just as the day before. And he set up out of bed to see if she was there. And he said, of course, the room was pitch dark. And there was a vapor, a kind of white vapor there. And it went out the door and down the hall and disappeared. But he said, I know it was her. I tell you, it was her. It encouraged him in those difficult days. He said, I believe and trust that God is with me. And she was there assuring me. Well, I've never had that experience. Some of you have. Some of you haven't. But we can see from our own congregation that we have a variety of experiences represented in our congregation. Just as in the Bible, there are a variety of perspectives on some subjects. That's why I'm so fond of the way John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, looked at theology. He had this great maxim he used. I've put it in your outline. It goes like this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty or freedom. And in all things, charity or generosity. In essentials, unity and non-essentials liberty and in all things charity it is a good formula for us as christians because on topics like this we can find three perspectives easily identifiable in the bible on resurrection and judgment if we think about resurrection we can say it happens at the end time or we can say it happens immediately after death or some say well jesus is the pattern so it happens on the third day which is the definitive answer i think the most honest answer is we cannot know you can think about judgment some say eternal damnation others say we're going to be judged on our deeds whether we're believers or not others say god's grace is greater than any human sin and will bring us all to himself it's a matter of faith we have to decide what we believe we may need to study a little bit more we may need to have some more discussions we may need to read the bible some more we may need to pray some more oh we believe god is with us in life and death and life after death but how all that works out we differ in our descriptions it's important that we know what we believe. It's important that we encourage one another in our belief. Let us be people who support one another 
on this life journey. Amen. And thanks be to God.